0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Writing into the Unknown. Today is our 11th episode and we're so so excited to have you back. My name is Monica and I'm Christina and today we have a very special guest. We're so excited to introduce Charlene Adoptante Cantino to our podcast she is our first ever guest on this podcast and we're so so excited to have her here so Charlene is on her last year at university she is studying history at King's College London and we're gonna be diving deep into kind of her journey and kind of through university and everything she's learned and sort of the plans that she has post-university because she's going to be graduating really soon so that's very exciting so we're gonna be talking to Charlene now and you can learn more about her and we're really really excited to have her on the podcast. Hi it's great it's it's an honor to be here. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great it's an honor. Is this the first the first podcast that you've been on or? Oh yeah it's like the first time like ever
1: like I mostly listen my way on my way somewhere on the tube so it's I don't know it's just crazy that I'm speaking in a podcast right now
0: we're so excited to have you as the first guest so
2: yeah Chris do you have anything to say just um excited that we the three of us are are doing this um we didn't mention but Charlene is our cousin so we are very happy that we were getting to just hang out and just having a chill conversation about our, our, each other's journeys, but really get to know more about what Charlene has been getting up to and what she's been learning, especially now being final year student at university. And um, yeah, we, we sort of want to get started by asking you what it's like, uh, like studying history, what the um, environment is like uh, in London, working, especially now that you are working, well, studying at home as well, and just your overall. Uh, sort of yeah impression of the course
1: um right so um yeah so like you said I'm studying history at King's and um so being in my final year it's it's definitely a big change because um we are expected to look more into primary sources so that means going to archives and and such and um amidst this whole pandemic it's it's been a lot difficult because obviously a lot of them are quite closed and so I've been relying on um, online websites instead um, which is definite which I feel like it robs from the true experience of what it is like to be a history student because you know you do have to go to the library quite often to get you know books that are not in pdf forms online so i don't know i just feel like because of the pandemic like it's it's been robbed of me um and i'm sure a lot of students can relate as well um especially that i also miss our library more like i i typically live there so
0: (laughs) yeah
2: oh yeah no that's um that's something that we Monica and I mentioned in one of our previous episodes how difficult it must be for students at the moment um, trying to navigate this whole pandemic and still being on top of university coursework and deadlines and everything like that. Um, Charlene so Monica and I know obviously but people who are listening may not necessarily know but you are very much interested in pursuing a career in law which is very different to what you're studying obviously um but we yeah. really want to know about what why uh what motivates you to sort of go through this um route like change your sort of um career path let's say and uh yeah what what steps you're taking in in terms of like getting there and what the experience has been like um as a whole yeah i mean it was
1: to be honest like ever since I was quite young like I know it sounds very cringe but like young we're saying like 14 15 um I had a careers meeting um and you know this was kind of like the first time I was kind of given the idea and kind of like a rough summary of um of having you know a potential career in law and um kind of knowing my skills and kind of um, getting an insight as to what it might feel like that's that's something that interested me interested me so I kind of so you know I so I started like looking at um, like different routes and quite frankly like in the beginning I was quite interested in the barrister routes so you know like that's one that's one I'm not sure with the Scottish system but I definitely know with um, England and Wales is that um, they're divided so when you're a barrister it's more like advocacy you know these are the people that you imagine wearing wigs and going to court and speaking to the judge whereas the solicitor route, you know they're they're typically the ones that wear um, suits and in like high-rise buildings well stereotypically and so in the beginning I actually wanted to become a barrister and so during sixth form many years later after that first career meeting um, I I I was applying to Barrister Chambers. Um, However, many of them rejected me because, you know, like, what is this 16, 17 year old? Like, what is she going to give us? So clearly nothing. Um, So I was kind of really close to applying to um, high street firms, which are also, um, it's it's an alternative solicitor um, job as well that just kind of works with like you know more mundane things more things for like kind of like everyday people rather than like big corporations so we're talking like family we're talking like employment immigration injury um i was going to do that but i was very fortunate enough that my dad knew someone who worked at this um big corporate firm um a us company um it's called goodwin and um from there it like really changed my whole perspective i really liked the fact that they were working like high-end deals and, and so i and so from there i felt really really inspired um and i really like you know kind of like the buzz of the city of london i absolutely love that and um then i was lucky enough to meet with um one of the partners um, associates who whom i actually got this work experience from and she she actually came from a non-law background and she told me about the GDL which is this graduate diploma in law and that is where you can transition from a whatever degree that you had that is not uh, law and so you take that for a year or two well a year if you're full time and two years but you know they're getting rid of this um but regardless so this associate she actually told me about this route and I thought oh this is quite great because at the time when I was in sixth form I was enjoying history um and even from like GCSE I absolutely loved it and so I personally at that time I wasn't ready to give up history so I thought I might just take this um and I might take history for university and then then do the GDL um, which obviously like they've changed, they've changed the GDL, they changed it to an SQE, which there's a lot of complications through there because there's a lot of like uncertainty, but you know, that's another topic for another time. Um, but yeah, so the reason why I chose history was just because like I loved it and I knew that I, you know,
0: could take law after. That's super, super interesting, Charlene. Thank you so much for that. I think this is a great example and it goes to show that, you know, it doesn't have to be you don't have to work as the sort of career or progression that you've studied or like basically you don't have only one path when you study a degree at university. You don't have to, you know, exactly work at that as a profession once you graduate sorry I worded that really badly but um, I think that's a great example that Charlene said there so she's studying history but is um, wanting to pursue a career in law which is really really interesting and I was actually at a talk like last week and there was a girl who studied law at university but then she went on to become a project manager and uh, for network rail so I think it's really interesting like hearing Charlene's perspective on that for
2: sure definitely i think it's so important to understand that you don't necessarily have to use your degree when like for a job uh, after university which is basically my situation as well like i studied chemical engineering but i'm i'm still working in similar role like i'm i'm a project controls engineer but it's still not as technical as like hardcore process engineering so um i think that that is very like very interesting what you said Monica uh, with regards to not directly implementing that uh, like using that degree but I think the most important thing to take away is that all the skills that you learn for example like an engineering degree will teach you how to problem solve and that you can take to any different role you know Um, it might be like even banking you know which is not directly related but they employers appreciate that you have sort of that background so yeah
0: yeah there's a lot of doors that can be opened and I think it's all about as you said all these transferable skills that you learn when you're studying your degree um, and then apply these to your job and also all of the connections that you make whilst you're at university I think these can be really really important as Charlene said with her dad and he had a good connection and then this kind of helped her have a little step forward with um, working was it Godwin Proctor yeah good one so um so that's a really good example of the importance of connections as well and how these can help you um with future opportunities and job job opportunities and things
2: yeah on that on that note I wanted to ask you Charlene what's your experience when it comes to networking if you have any tips for us and like the listeners the people who are listening and tuning into today's episode
1: I actually have, I I actually have an embarrassing story about networking. And when I think about it, when I'm, you know, just, I could be minding my own business, you know, just not doing anything. And then I'll have that flashback of like that moment. And so my biggest advice is if you're going to drink in a networking event, please do not get drunk (laughs) because (laughs) that happened to me because, you know, I, as you guys know, like I, I never drank before, like alcohol. I don't know her Um, (laughs) so when I suddenly had this freedom like the fact that it was legal for me to drink alcohol not without my parents sight you know I was like drinking so much like white wine and so it reached a point where actually was like this uh, it was at University of law and it was like a networking and I got so drunk and it was just so embarrassing like so yeah my first advice is please don't drink too much like know your limitations like if you're gonna drink have that one drink just to approach people. My second advice is like it's great at meeting new people but at the same time like you have to make sure that your time there is well spent. I'm not being I'm not saying like be opportunistic or anything or I hope I don't sound like that um regardless but you know when you're there you opportun- you want to make sure that you meet as many people as possible um but also make sure that you also get on well with them. So I would say you know um apart from being in the corner where the crisps and the biscuits are, like, do actually approach the people. Even if you see, like, a huge group of people, you know, with, let's just say, a barrister asking them a questions, don't be afraid to literally enter the circle and just say, hello, I'm Charlene. And then, you know, then they will walk, they usually welcome you into the conversation and they kind of, like, summarize what they were speaking about and then you kind of just ask your question. And that's one of, like, the biggest things. So it's like, for example, I'm... I actually became friends with this girl. She, she's um a uh, English and Spanish law student, and uh, she was like, "Oh, I, I really want to talk to that partner over there." And I was like, "Sure, let's let's go." And she was like, "Yeah, but she's talking to someone." I'm like, I'm like, but like observe their conversation. It looks like it's dying out. So let's just go to her and just kind of like stand there and then introduce ourselves when she finishes her sentence, and then we'll go. And then it worked. Like it's such a simple thing. Literally, just come up to the person and be like. Hello, my name is da 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 da, and it works.
0: I was going. Hello, I was going to ask as well. I remember having a conversation with you, Charlene, um, a couple of years ago, and we we're talking about um, kind of your networking opportunities and that you wanted. You're such a you know bubbly person. You love to go to networking events, and also talking about the importance of going on your own and like you don't have to go with someone else. And I feel like you might have good sort of advice on people who feel like they have to go with a friend or they have to go with someone from their degree because they're too scared to network and meet people from industry on their own so do you have any advice to kind of have the confidence to go to these events on your own for me like
1: it definitely started in like the mindset because like I have I I am such an introvert. Like, there are days when I'm, like, so bubbly, but then there are some days where I'm scared to ask for more ketchup. You know what I mean? Like, there's no in between. <laughs> Either I'm too shy or I'm too bubbly. Um, And so I would say, like, you have to think, like, it's not just me. Like, of course, it's great if, like, my friend came with me, but I think you should also make sure that, you know, you can go to these events. So take it as, like, a personal challenge. Don't just be like, oh, I need to go to this event because, you know, like, I don't know, let's just name a law firm, MacFarlane's um, is there, like, no, like, you have to be like, okay, me going to this event alone, like, I can take that off my box, it's like a way of me um, improving my current skills, you know, like, think of it as like that. But also have the mindset that, you know, when I go there, it's not just going to be me, you know, that I'm sure that there are other people who are coming alone, not knowing anyone, so i'm sure they are as afraid as me therefore there's no harm in talking to them and plus everyone's a student like you know yes like you know this person may be doing political economy this person might be doing law and you may not have as much knowledge as them but like who cares like you you only know about the job you know like there's just like such there's so much that google can offer you in terms of about like. I don't know the industry so like what's the harm of you just like going there and learning more like literally I think I think it to some extent it also has to do with like the ego like fear of making mistakes and like embarrassing yourself Mm -hmm. like okay you embarrass yourself and so what you can just say in a podcast on how you got (laughs) how you got drugged like like let's just all have a laugh about it and just like learn from it but you know just kind of be brave like go there like if a friend wants to come with you great but also make sure that even if you went with them make it an opportunity and make it an effort for you to actually get to know people and not just stick to the same person that you know because for like I know that um even when I've gotten even when I've attended events with some of my friends I've also made an effort to also meet new people and therefore expand my like circle of friends and also my networks
0: yeah and I was going to just add to that as well I think it's such a good way of getting out of your comfort zone and just stepping out there and sometimes you're not going to feel comfortable but you're always going to meet people from different degrees or different interests and it's always really interesting to yeah
2: definitely another thing I wanted to add was that during my university experience um, I remember going to different seminars and webinars and well Webinars is online. Okay, seminars and different events. And I would go on my own, yeah. And I was probably very lucky because I always found someone to talk to. But I think uh, a piece of advice that I would give is just uh, to listen and ask questions. You can just find someone you're like maybe hanging around where like you get tea or something and then there's someone standing there and you just say, oh, hi, like uh, who do you work for? Or like, you know, like where do you study? Blah, 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 depending on if they're like already in industry or still at uni and you just ask them about what they do, get interested, maybe also share what you're doing. But I feel like that's sort of a really easy sort of conversation where you don't really have like huge expectations. Obviously, you want to network um like and sort of have an impact, like have a, a goal at the end, like make meaningful connections. But at the start, if you're new and you don't really know how to network, just practicing. And that way you get over the fear of what Charlene said of like making a fool of yourself and, and like getting embarrassed or anything. Just have a, a nice conversation with someone. I know it's daunting at the start, but um, yeah, I, I did that at the start. And then after a few years, I just become more confident just going to stuff on my own. And then, yeah, as, as you said, uh, Charlene, it's very important if you do happen to go with people that you know to make a, a conscious effort to still go and speak to other people because it can feel so comforting to just be in your little bubble because you 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 don't want to, um, you know, have that fear of rejection in case like, you're blank in front of someone or you don't really know what to say, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I think just go for it and find stuff that you're interested in. There's so many. I mean, obviously now because of COVID it's harder, but there's lots of um, very interesting presentations online and things that you could also – profit from Um, yeah
0: I was going to say so I think networking is really important as we've been discussing for the last couple of minutes and I think it's going to be really useful for you Charlene for when you graduate to have all of these connections and this network of people so I actually wanted to ask you what kind of plans do you have post-graduation and have you thought about it or are you still are you unsure or are you clear on what you want to do I mean
1: to be honest, like I'm actually quite unclear. Like, yeah, like I do want to work in um, like you know, corporate law, but um, I kind of don't feel like I want to go straight away. I just feel like there's, I I want to figure out life more, get a lot more experiences. Um, just because you know, like I I don't know. I just feel like I I want to be a more well-rounded person. I just feel like, though, I do have hobbies and all these weird interests that make me me i guess um i don't know i just kind of want to explore different things because you know like i did volunteer um with water aid um and like that was an industry like that was the um an industry, a charity industry that I didn't really know much about and then even when I did like my internship at Unilab, a pharmaceutical company, like I realized like geez like there's there's so many like interesting industries out there and and you know these different experiences I feel like they've shaped my skills, my perspective and I I just don't want to be that person who's like shipped into like okay so you know you finish university, okay like you know straight into the workforce like I kind of don't want that like yes I'll be going to the workforce still but I still want to like experiment a bit, you know it's so, like so I have something to kind of show for apart from the fact that I had all these networking all of these volunteering whilst at university so
2: yeah so do you do you mean you want to do some volunteering before you start working or do this alongside your work what, oh, so no, what sort of stuff not... are you are you looking to do <laughs> sorry
1: I don't think there's enough time alongside work because, um, like, you know, if I was to go straight into, you know, doing the GDL or, or whatever my the law firm will go into, you know, um, it's just, like, I I would be studying and it's quite an intense course, you know, to do law when you haven't had experience, like, in the past. Like, it is an intense, like, conversion and I just wouldn't have time to do this, like, volunteering um so before all of that my main aim right now is just to secure a vacation scheme and from there kind of demonstrate that I am able to establish a foot on the door foot on the industry and um and then when I'm kind of you know ready
0: I guess just start applying to training contracts I was going to say I really like that what you said earlier about um, working for the charity Water Aid and also having a placement with um, Unilab and it just goes to show that you're you know open-minded to trying um different things and working with different industries and not just sticking to history and law and i feel like you'll learn so much more about these industries i remember you speaking to me about um a presentation that you had to do and you learned so much about researching and um all the things that they do at UniLab, and that you wouldn't have otherwise learned if you didn't work with them so i think oftentimes it is really important um and interesting to work for different industries and that way you can also see if maybe you find new interest um, new sort of interest in other fields as well which I think is really interesting so
2: yeah another thing I wanted to mention is that many times uh, you can try and try and try so many like doing different internships doing voluntary experiences and stuff but you're never going to fully fully find what you like unless you do it so another thing that you can take from these experiences is you can find what you don't like which kind of narrows down the search uh, for like what really makes you happy and you want to end up doing for mm-hmm. say the rest of your life or however long you want to be doing it for but um, yeah so for for instance um, if you don't particularly like doing this internship you know okay this type of role is not for me I want to maybe imagine you worked in a company where everything was really slow-paced and you're like no I, I would really enjoy something to be more dynamic then you kind of know um, where to go from there. Okay perfect so I think now we're gonna talk
0: about something else as we've already spoken about Charlene's plans and sort of her university experience and I wanted to actually talk about um, Charlene about you being a third culture kid because we're all third culture kids here and I just wanted to sort of dive deep into how your journey has been growing up in London and coming from Spain and sort of your experience and yeah like how how has it been and you know london is such a multicultural multi city so our experiences have been quite different but i just wanted to see like before like you.
2: um you start Charlene. sorry to interrupt yeah. i wanted to sort of describe what third culture kit is for those of you who don't who are listening and don't know what it is uh, monica and i have a video on our youtube channels we'll put it in the description Um, but basically third culture kid is a a person uh, who has grown up and undergone their formative years in a culture that's different to the culture of their parents or the country of birth or the country of their uh, like nationality let's say and who yeah they've, they've sort of grown up and learned to sort of adapt to a culture that's completely different to what I said like their parents and having all those different influences has shaped them but also come uh with many pros and cons let's say uh, but Charlene can go into more detail about how that's affected her uh personally um, but yeah that's a, a really good question Monica I'm I'm, I'm interested in, in knowing more about Charlene's experience.
1: I mean that's quite a broad question um do you have could you ask that in a more specific way because that's quite broad
0: Okay, so I wanted to ask you, so you came to the UK when you were um, eight years old, is that right? Yeah. And uh, eight, nine, right. And how was it kind of integrating into the English kind of British culture and starting, you were in primary school at the time? Yep. And how was it, you know, moving from Spain, how was the experience? How was your level of English, your fluency? Did you know any English at all or... Um, and was it hard and friendships like how how did you kind of navigate all these situations like friendships and how did it all go about like how did you right first
1: of all i just want to say when i first came here i wanted to go back to spain i i like i'm gonna be super blunt like i hated it like i hated it like oof um i just like it was such a big shift (laughs) um it was such a big shift because you know i i went from a school where we literally had like 10 people in our class to suddenly being in a classroom where we had about 22 kids or like 25 like for me that was a huge jump and you know we do also have to think like the place where we grew up as well in in spain the basque country like geez that wasn't the most diverse place in comparison to london so it was so like you for like as a kid you know like it was so um different to see people from like different races from like different countries different backgrounds different social classes as well um like for example you know um growing up like i i would rarely like see like black people um and you know and then you know moving into London where you know there were quite um quite a few in my primary for me like that was a big shift like I didn't know about their like hair texture so I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna lie like I was quite like intrigued so I would always ask them could I touch your hair could I touch your hair but of course like now like that I'm all grown like that's not the most appropriate question to ask um but I think that just kind of goes to show how you know how not very diverse um that part of Spain that we grew up is we grew up in was um I don't know now, I haven't been in quite a long time um but yeah like and then when it came to my English, I mean I knew a bit of English um simply because in my primary school in um Spain we had uh English classes, but it wasn't like the best kind of English I mean I I'd say they tried because I mean my mom did try to speak to our English teacher in English and uh, man really struggled uh Mm -hmm. so um so yeah so um yeah it it wasn't that great and and I do kind of vividly remember like people trying to pretend that they knew how to speak Spanish but I think they were just speaking gibberish and I was just there like nodding like well done to you you're really speaking Spanish by speaking that alien sounding language Mm -hmm. um so you know and um, also being born in the Philippines I was quite familiar with Tagalog and I was very fortunate to have these two girls who spoke in um, Tagalog as well in addition to English and so I would mostly speak with them and because of that my ability to speak the Basque language literally annihilated within like two weeks gone like I didn't know that language was so fragile for me like it was like gone like gosh, I I kind of like I feel sad about I I feel sad about it, but like I don't have anyone to practice it with. Um so yeah, so I was so I was really glad yeah. that um these two girls they spoke took out with me. So it was kind of like a bridge. You could say like they were my Google translators uh for the time being. Um but then slowly like my English um started improving. My dad well especially my dad like um he he made like these little english um language kind of booklets but he he made it himself because he was like oh i don't like the ones that Smith. i don't think they're like that good so he would um dedicate to making us read like we're talking about complex like english um like stories like the beauty and the beast and i remember like my dad would get so angry when i would pronounce once a time instead of once upon a time my dad would get so angry so that would be extra pressure on me to actually master how to read in English and like learn English as soon as possible so I was able to learn how to speak English out of my dad's fear out of a fear for my dad within like nine months so (laughs) yeah I mean he wasn't like you know extremely like bad but like I think as a nine-year-old there was just a bit of like extra pressure like you gotta adapt quick so so yeah
2: that's incredible yeah I mean obviously you've had a very different experience to what we've had but I guess it would have been quite tough um having so many languages on your plate at one time like I had completely forgotten they obviously you also learned like knew how to speak Basque uh, from a very early age and just it's such a shame to lose the ability to speak uh Basque but like I understand that if you can't practice it you can't uh like keep it in your in your mind sort of thing
1: yeah and I also wanted to continue like there there was always like this feeling that I also got like in my primary school like like there was like this ache where I wanted to leave like I always felt like crying but I couldn't cry like it, it was like such a weird ache like you know when your body just feels like lazy but it's like but at the same time it's having like that kind of um what is it like escape or fly like I don't know what's what that saying like I don't I don't know what that's saying it's like
2: oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah fight yeah, yeah. or
1: flight that fight or flight. fight yeah, fight I, I had fly that, that so many times but I but I, I just my body felt so heavy and it felt like I was like worthless not worthless but like hopeless like I just couldn't leave and it was just so intimidating like I didn't really like going to primary school here just because like I didn't understand and then, like in Spain I was so used to being like one of the smartest kids one of the popular kids and just suddenly not knowing the language, not merging in well with the kids. Um, yeah, I just hated it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can totally really. It's such a daunting experience, especially coming from a different country and not knowing English fluently from the beginning. And especially, I think we were all quite shy kids, especially when we started school. I don't know if, Australian you can relate to that. But I think it's particularly difficult, especially like, Trying to make friends and trying to like blend in with all the other kids and everything like that. So, how did you sort of navigate friendships and like how did you find your friends and like how did your friendships change from primary to secondary to Oof, university? Uh,
1: where to begin? Um, so yeah, so you know, like I like I mentioned, those two Filipino girls, um, they were actually the ones that kind of helped me kind of come out of my bubble by being able to find common common similarities so for example with like Jolly Jollibee um, even though I, I'm not I, I wasn't like too familiar with the Filipino culture like pop culture I mean um, I, I just tried my best uh, to blend with to blend in with them and because of that they were quite um, popular and really friendly girls so soon they kind of started inviting me to their birthday parties and you know just talking to kids kind of roughly the same age as me it kind of exposed me to English like to the level of English that these kids had um rather than like that complex English that my dad was like forcing me to quickly learn um so then transitioning to um secondary school I was a lot more confident with my English and um but secondary school I struggled with like friendships like there, there was like this band of uh Filipino um girls who I tried to be friends with but they never invited me to their um parties and stuff like that or like events that they were holding simply because I wasn't really a Filipino person because I grew up in um Spain so they never really accepted that so I said (laughs) bye-bye um so yeah so then I just kind of shifted friendships but like you know I mean, I wasn't like too bothered by that because, like, I just feel like, well, if you're not gonna accept me for who I am, then I don't know if I can swear, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, keep it PG. Um, so yeah, so then, um, so yeah, so then I moved schools actually, just because like that school was just not the best. Um, and there, like, I I kind of met the. I, I then I moved to this school, right? This was a quite a strict Catholic all-girls school. And I don't know if you guys have heard of the stereotype of girls schools that I can be a bit, you know, catty. Um I did experience all of that. I mean the teasing, the insulting like, "Oh, your bag looks like it comes from a charity shop." I mean I didn't get that insult, but like there was quite a lot of that.
2: I would
0: have been like I'm flattered. I love adventit shopping. Like I feel travels.
2: like a lot of um these like insults or like teasing and stuff. Like it really hurts when you don't have a set identity and especially if you come from different backgrounds like you were saying mm-hmm. the Filipino girls didn't accept you because you had like a sort of a more mixed a, a bringing. I feel like it can hurt uh, a a kid if you're like still not like fully sure of who you are. But as you as you said, Charlene, that really impressed me what you were like what you were saying about, well, if you don't accept me for who I am, then bye bye, you know? That yeah. takes a lot of like strong character to be able to say yeah. that uh from an early age because it's more I mean, personally, everybody's different, but I feel like these past few years it's like finally when I'm I've been starting to like accept who I am for who I am and like the things I stand up for, et cetera. And as I say, when when you're younger, it's it's harder to to really know where you where you stand and and your identity.
0: Yeah, especially when you're younger, you're scared of being alone and having no friends. Like when we're younger, we're just so focused on trying to like be a people pleaser and have all these friends and stuff. And sometimes when you don't connect with people, um it's hard to to just for example what you said with the filipino girls so you just can't connect so it's hard to kind of be in that friend group but it's better to be alone yeah, rather than to have bad being company. alone
1: like so in this so, um school that i went to these um this like new catholic all girl school um yeah so kind of there like I, I was friends with these girls for literally from year seven to the final year so year 11 and kind of like the last day and like the days coming to the end um, of being in secondary school or like they just did things that just kind of hurt me and it just like I'm sure like they didn't mean it but like it was for me it was a bit like it didn't feel great like I went home crying and I was crying on the bus as well because like you know we were like taking pictures and stuff like that and then they would like exclude me and like you know they would even like run away from me and stuff and I was like what like I thought we were we were friends you know like especially that I've been spending so Mm -hmm. much time with them like in the last five years and um kind of for me like that was just such a big turning point like I went home crying and um, my dad was like well um you know you know he he was like kind of like a joke he was like well one day if you become famous <laughs> and then and then they say oh i was friends with her they have no proof because they didn't take a picture with you and <laughs> i don't know just just something like that like he just kind of brightened my day um and from that experience like it taught me like it's all about the quality of friendships rather than quantity and from then on like if i i watched like a few youtube videos on how to be comfortable with myself and, you know, and then going into sixth form, I still kind of struggled to make friends because this was, like, a really, like, small school. Like, there were, I think, like, 20 girls or or something like that, like, in a in a whole year group or, like, 50 girls, like, in a whole year group. Like, it was so small. And the girls, like, they knew each other from, like, secondary school. So it was, like, very clicky. Like, this, sec- this sixth form was so clicky. And um, because of, like, my past experience with, like, these... Um, from like secondary school it just it just kind of I don't know I feel like it it prepared me for like this moment of just being comfortable alone and not being part of a a clique because I just I just couldn't click with anyone like literally like these people they like partying and I just wasn't I I just wasn't into that like I mean I I've never tried partying before like since then but it's just like geez like we have two years come on like we need to do well on our A-level so I just couldn't really relate.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to say that you had, despite having such a hard time um, in primary school, um, all of these lessons that you learned, you know, all these hardships that you faced eventually, like they made you so much stronger and you felt so much more comfortable to be alone when, you know, as you grew older. And I feel like that's so beautiful because a lot of people... Maybe are stuck in toxic friendships, stuck stuck in toxic relationships, just because the they fear of like being alone. And um, but then, as you said, like you were happier and like now you're so much more confident and and you know who you want to be with rather than you know just being with yeah exactly. toxic friendships or and um, yeah people exactly. that you like can't you know now with. I mean I'm
1: very grateful that my mom told me like it's better like at this point like you actually need to focus on education like if you don't click with people like you don't click with them like obviously like put some effort like don't just be sitting around like in the corner looking all like moody and stuff like no one's gonna approach you but like if you do actually put an effort and it still doesn't work then what are you doing you're wasting your time like focus on your studies and I mean, in the end, um, despite the difficult times I had in sixth form, especially my first year in, like, properly making friends, I, I was able to get myself a boyfriend. <laughs> um, and he did start from, like, a friendship. Um, so, yeah. Um, so it kind of just, like, goes to show, like, you know, people do change, and you, and you do kind of come mm-hmm. out of your shell eventually, and you do try to, you know, not form your mold yourself into like the type of person that you think that people would accept you as Mm
2: -hmm. um
1: and so when I started being authentic more authentic to who I was I felt like I was attracting more of the people that I vibed with if that makes any sense
0: yeah I really love that because oftentimes we want to be accepted by other people so we mold ourselves to the person that we think that person would like us to be or like our friends would want us to be but then eventually like you're gonna get tired because you're putting on a persona or you're not being 100% your authentic self so I think what you said is really good that you know if you are just being yourself eventually you will attract the kind of people that you want to be with and you shouldn't ever force a friendship like friendships come and go and that's what life is like some people are going to come into your life for a reason and some people are just going to come into your life for a season or a lifetime have you guys heard that quote yep um and you just have to accept that it's just sort of the flow of life and sometimes friendships are not meant to be and you will find sort of the people that you connect with most as you
2: keep going exactly and I also wanted to say especially in university you tend to find people who are more aligned to what you want to aspire to in like your future. So therefore I feel that also because you get to know yourself better, you find people who have similar interests as you. And yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I, I'm really glad that you sort of through those experiences you were able to get like over those obstacles and yeah, just get to where you are right now. Which um I'm really pride of of you for oh, like thank you no but like definitely
1: mm. like I feel like my friends now like they kind of they represent different versions of I mean different versions I don't know if that's the right way but like different characteristics like different personalities like I don't know like I felt like my friends now like they're interested in like this roughly the same weird stuff that I'm interested in like I, I you know I'm I'm someone who likes to have debates and like random intellectual conversations and like definitely i like, i do definitely feel like my friends are like that and like my friends are usually also those who are like like badass like definitely like you know they know how to um establish boundaries and we're not usually the type who will like gossip or like talk rubbish about other people um of course if it's like a cause for concern then yes I will give you advice Um, and because of that like there might be some bad mouthing but um, other than that like you know my my friends are such positive people and like they're really driven they're very ambitious and they're supportive and I'm very happy to have them. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so so good and so wholesome I think it's so great to connect with people that have very similar sort of values and like vision to you and yeah I'm glad that your friendships are flourishing now that
2: you're you know know yourself better that's amazing um yeah thank you so much for for sharing Charlene is there anything else that you wanted to mention in today's podcast um that you you think would be like advice for like careers for our listeners or in terms of like friendships any of the topics that we've covered
1: um I mean in terms of career, please do actually get involved in like your university um, societies and like the events that they host. Because I feel like university is such a hub for um, just many opportunities, like genuinely, like, I mean, I'm, who am I to judge? But I find it shocking that some people, they just kind of don't utilize the resources available. You know, like I've recently been um using a lot of the career services where they where they check my applications and it's definitely useful like some of them have worked for the companies that i'm applying to so they definitely know what what they want um and also you know when you like think about it like where else are you gonna meet like for example law firm partners again if not are like a university like of course you can reach out to them through linkedin like you know despite like the pandemic like that's like the perfect opportunity but like I think there's something different when you actually meet the person like face to face and you also try to to somewhat establish like a deep connection you know finding some form of um common ground I feel like they are more likely to kind of keep in contact with you rather than keep it superficial because you do have to think like you know these people have been to networking events all over the country, um. And I'm sure that they meet many students who probably ask them the same questions like, oh, why did you decide to become a corporate lawyer? Oh, why did you pick litigation? Like, geez, like, OK, like, you know, they probably have a script of what to say <laughs> already. But, you know, when you do kind of establish like a common ground, like, for example, I met this um trainee he works at Kirkland and um he did history at UCL um and so we were kind of able to speak about history for a bit and since and since then like it has made uh it has made uh communication a bit like I I don't know I, I guess more like memorable so it was I felt like I felt more inclined and kind of a lot more confident to kind of continue and continue speaking to him if I needed something
0: Thank you so much, Charlene, for that. We are going to wrap up today's episode as we are reaching kind of our time limit. But thank you so much, Charlene, for joining us today. It was such a great episode, kind of hearing about your university life and friendships and everything. We're so, so happy to have had you here. Hopefully you'll be back on the podcast and everyone can kind of hear more about you because you have thank a you very interesting me. life. So thank you so much. We will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye, Charlene. Bye, everyone. Bye.